Hey there, this is Bo James, and on behalf of the Wix Church of the Nazarene, I just want to say thank you for joining us. I believe there is something for you in this message, and I pray that it will help you grow your faith. Enjoy. Turn with me today to Acts chapter 6. We are continuing through the book of Acts. You know, I told you last week that my Wednesday night class was ready to go... um, overboard on me and and drop the class, as Dorothy says, Um, but they've all decided they'll stick around. They still love me, and they they stuck it out another week, and we had a pretty good one, I think. Do what? (laughs) And Pat even answered all of her questions. There you go. So we're, we're having a good time going through the book of Acts as well on Wednesday nights. So we've been talking about Peter and his sermons, and we're going to get a different view today. Um, We talked a little bit last week about the church, how it was growing. So Acts chapter 6, verse 1. But as the believers rapidly multiplied, there were rumblings of discontent. Imagine that. People in the church not happy. Who would have ever thought that was a thing? I don't know. But the Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve called a meeting of all the believers. They said, we apostles should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so brothers select seven men who are well-respected and are full of the spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility, and then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Everyone liked this idea, and they chose the following. Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Philip, Prochorius, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas of Antioch, an earlier convert to the Jewish faith. And these seven were presented to the apostles who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. So God's message continued to spread. The number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. Lord, this is your word we're walking through today. May it be alive and active in this room as your spirit works in each of us, as we each receive the message you have for us individually. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's the scene that Luke is setting up for us. The Jews had already established a way of taking care of those that were in need. They actually had a program where on the end of the week, say a Friday, they went around to take up donations that they gathered up, and then they would redistribute it to people that were in need. And that could have been someone who maybe had a temporary need. We've all been there where money is tight, right? That that paycheck runs out too early in the month. And and it could have went to people that had long-term needs. Um, we all can relate to those moments when you lose a job, when you lose a loved one who is the, the caretaker of the family. Um, so this is already something the Jews would have been doing that now the Christian believers are going to take and use as well, that they have continued doing this. So they, they keep this practice, and we see in these verses that the church is growing rapidly, right? Now, anyone who has ever been involved in leadership, whether it's the church, whether it's your business, your career, you know that growth is good. But you also know with growth, there's going to be problems, 
Like you start to see things that happen. So like we have kids and, 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 and we want kids in the church and we want growth. Well, then you need teachers and you need people, you need workers, you know, you start to see the needs that come up. And so what we're seeing here is the Hebrew and the Greek believers are beginning to argue. Now, I want you to understand, this is not necessarily the, the Jews versus the Gentiles, all right? There were Greek believers, Greek Jews who had already converted, who were part of the religion, the Jewish religion, who have now come to follow Jesus, all right? So this is still, though, there's still a division because the problem is the Hebrews still have this thought that we're God's chosen people, right? So there's this, this problem in the distribution. The Greek believers are saying, hey, our widows are not getting as much as the Hebrew widows. And so we see this discontent start to build. And this is where Luke then introduces us to Stephen, all right, this is where we, we get that little snippet because we got a little bit more about him. He was a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. I hope you're hearing as we go through the book of Acts, you know, we, we all the time call it the Acts of the Apostles. It's really the Acts of the Holy Spirit. It's how the Holy Spirit is working through the early church and the early believers. So in verse 7, I really liked... It said that the church is growing, and then it said many of the Jewish priests are beginning to convert over now. So this gives me the idea that the religious landscape is starting to change in Jerusalem. And I don't know if you know this, but change bothers people. <laughs> it still does today, doesn't it? We don't like change. It's just hard, right? It, it takes a little getting used to. And so that kind of stuck out to me. I've never paid attention when it said the Jewish priests were converting too. This would mean that it's starting to mess with the Jewish religion now, right? So this is why it's starting to stir people up. And as we look through here, you'll see that this made some people not real happy, and they begin to debate with Stephen. He's obviously a, a good communicator, right? And it says in verse 10, none of them could stand against the wisdom and the spirit with which Stephen spoke. That's important. That means it's not about his smarts and his education, right? It means he's full of the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you if you've ever had a conversation that after the, the conversation, you think to yourself, where did that come from? Like, how did I piece that together? How did I respond in that way to that person? It's a God thing. And if you ever have a tough conversation to have with anybody, please stop and pray. God, fill me with your Holy Spirit so that your words will come through in this conversation. And not my words. Not my feelings. Not my beliefs but your words, Lord. And so that's what we see. They, they, cannot, they cannot stand against what Stephen is, is telling them because he's full of the Spirit. And it says, so, since they can't shoot down what he's saying, in other words, they can't find holes in it. Verse 11, they persuaded some men to lie about Stephen, saying, we heard him blasphemy. 
against Moses and even against God. So they bring some, some witnesses in because, again, remember how their system worked. You had to have two or more witnesses come against you, right? For one person telling something wasn't enough. You had, and, and we know this, this is even in our legal system today. You have to have witnesses come. So they have them come and, and they have them tell these lies. And then the lies, though, that they decide to tell, because they, they, they say he's blasphemy, Moses and God. Verse 13, it says, the lying witnesses said, this man is always speaking against the holy temple and against the law of Moses. We heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy the temple and, and change the customs Moses handed down to us. Wow. So they attack the two most important things in the Jewish religion. The temple and the law. Those are the holy of holies for the Jewish religion. And that's what the lies were about. And then in verse 15, it said, At this point, everyone in the high council stared at Stephen because his face became as bright as an angel's. Basically, this means Stephen was filled with the Holy Spirit. And what he was about to say, his response to these lies, comes from God. Not from Stephen, not from man, but from God. So Stephen's reply, chapter 7, verse 1, the high priest asked Stephen this question, Are these accusations true? Again, what was the accusation? We've heard him speaking against the temple and Moses' law. Are these accusations true? Well, when you read Stephen's reply, and it's really lengthy, so I'm not going to read through it. This is your homework. Go home, read chapter 7 today. But when, when you read his reply, he doesn't directly answer the question. You know, that's a pretty simple question. Are these accusations true? That could be a yes or a no, right? He doesn't directly answer the question. Instead, and this is what makes Stephen such a great communicator that they were having problems with anyway, he appeals to the very thing that they are holding so dear, their history. He begins to go through the history of the Israelites. He covers Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, all the big patriarchs, right? And Stephen reminds them of these early patriarchs and, and how they followed God. They're adventurous spirits, so to speak. That when God called, they would faithfully go. He starts with Father Abraham. When God told him to go into an unknown land without any other instruction, what did Abraham do? He got up and he followed. He obeyed what God had. So I was thinking today, I, I told them Sandy made it into my sermon because I was thinking an adventurous spirit that just says yes, okay, that is Sandy Cook. Because yesterday is not the first time Sandy has done this, by the way. This woman has packed many a bags and went on many a trips with us over the years, including the day that I stood in this church and I guess like Bo and Mandy realized I need more help on this trip. And I call Sandy and I'm like, hey, you want to go on an overnight trip with the quizzers with me tonight? She's like, well, yeah, I guess. How long do I have to pack? I said, I'll be at your house in 30 minutes. 
And she was ready when I got there. And she went on an overnight trip with me with teens just because I needed a little extra hand to go with me. She's got the adventurous spirit. Now, she may have processed through. She told me she was thinking through, wow, I got to pack. I got to do this. And, you know, she was trying to think, what do I need to go to Magic Springs? And, but she don't care. She loads up and she goes. I need about 30 more of those sitting in here that just says, yeah, I'll do that. I'll do that. It reminds me of Miss Jessie Winfield, the time she went on our women's trip. She just came to drop off Sue and Sandy. And they talked her into going. She said, well, I don't even have anything with me. They said, that's okay, Mama. We'll buy it when we get there. So when we got to Oklahoma City, Miss Jessie got a whole new weekend's outfits. Walmart stall. She got everything she needed because all she literally had was her purse in her hand to go to Oklahoma City for our women of, what was it called? I started to say joy, and I was like, no, it ain't that. Women of Faith Conference. Those are the adventurous spirits when God presents the opportunity and you say, yes, Lord. And so that's what Stephen is reminding them. This is the the comparison to Stephen's current day where they're fighting to keep things the same. See, this is how he's addressing it. He's reminding them, here's our history. Here are the patriarchs that you so believe in. And they were all about doing something new. Church, we can be the same way today. We can fight so hard to hold on to the ways that it's always been that we miss the working of God in what he wants to do. And I'm, I'm not saying this little C at you guys. I'm saying big C. I'm saying big C. Sometimes we can hold on to our, our past and our tradition, no matter if it's good. It could be good. And we can miss what God wants to do. And you know, when they, when they started talking about these lies that the witnesses told, you notice that there's a, a little truth mixed in with the lie. Because look at verse 14 again. We've heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy the temple and change the customs Moses handed down to us. Do you remember Jesus when he said, I'll destroy this temple and in three days rebuild it? He was talking about himself, remember. But they thought at the time that he was talking about the temple. I can honestly hear Stephen probably recounting the words of Jesus to people that they are overhearing this. And when they they talk about the customs of Moses, what did Jesus say? I didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. So you see how the devil can take little pieces of truth and, hmm, that sounds familiar. Was that, would that be back in the garden? He did that. You you see his M.O. of how the enemy works. Little pieces of truth spun into a lie to lead people down the wrong way. I think we call that false news today, but it's still there. And I think we still do it today because truth is, you remember the good old days? When we did VBS like a whole week long, you know, because like we had so many stay-at-home moms, we could do that back then. 
right? We, we, we just had a different setup. You remember the good old days, Diane, when Sunday school, we filled that entire back wing. And kids ran rampant to the, the point that you'd hear the older people complaining, those kids going to knock me down coming down that hallway. You know, there's that yeah, growth equals complaint. Yeah, you know. You remember those good old days? Bo, I know 14, 11 kids, whatever. That was hard yesterday. You remember the good old days when we had 50 and it took two plus vans to go? Shelly does. She went to Houston like that and she's never going again. Like, Okay, she's never driving the church van in Houston again. That's true. See, there's that little piece of truth and you spin it a little bit. So that's truth, right? But don't get stuck in saying, man, if we could just do it like we did in the good old days. Because see, then we get stuck. And then it starts going wrong. Because we can't go back to that. We can do things like that. We can do new. You know, it's kind of like I love Pat has this new tradition of all of her kids come to her house on Sunday. And I know this is mirrored after your own grandparents and family members and how mama used to do things. And, and she thinks I have to do, but it's not the same, right? I mean, like, I bet, I bet the cooking is still not as good as grandma's was, right? Like, you get it, right? So a little truth, but we can, we can spin it. To say, well, the church is just going downhill because we just don't have Sunday school like we used to. We still have small groups. It's the same thing. You, you realize that. It's just a different time of the week and a different day. You see? So, so you got to be careful how we spin those things. And these leaders, they could not imagine what religion looked like without the temple and the law. That's what they're struggling with. And they could not grasp this idea that God was no longer confined to this temple any longer. Because in their, in their religion, in the Jewish religion, God's spirit would have been in the Holy of Holies, right? Hmm. Where is he now? He's here. He's there. He's there. He's there. He's there. Because when Jesus died on the cross, the veil, remember, was torn. And that was signifying the Spirit is now out in the world. Because he was coming to live in his believers. And we learn at Pentecost, he filled the believers. In fact, 1 Corinthians, Paul tells us, don't you realize that all of you together are the temple of God? And that the Spirit of God lives in you? God will destroy anyone who destroys this temple, for God's temple is holy, and you are the temple. You are the temple. Listen, it's important to take care of our facilities. I just got through painting in the foyer because I was like, ah, it just looks run down, it looks dirty, I just, and I couldn't take it anymore, and I came up here, and that's actually how I spent a Sabbath day, and it just brought me so much joy to just sit and paint in quiet. We have to take care of facilities because first impressions matter when people walk through our doors. But we can never treat a building like it's a sacred temple. Do you hear me, church? This room is not a sacred 
temple. I think we've used that kind of terminology before. We're in the house of God. No, we are the house of God. In 2020, when you were stuck at home, yes, it was miserable. Yes, we love to fellowship. Yes, God wants us to meet together. But God was still with you exactly where you are. Because you are the temple. You are the temple. And Stephen reminds them that God's people worshipped God before the temple was built. Do you remember that? When they were traveling through the wilderness for 40 years, they took a tent with them. And that tent became the temple that moved with them. So he begins in, the, in his speech to them to remind them of their history again. That says, remember all those years that we didn't have stone that we called a temple. We had a tent, we moved around. And yes, it was a blessing when Solomon got to build the temple for God. That was a blessing for God's people. But he says, now we've went back to the temple moving because we are the temple. And then Stephen begins to address the law. And again, he's hitting the two things that hits hardest, the temple and the law. Verse 38 in chapter 7, Moses was with our ancestors, the assembly of God's people in the wilderness. And when the angel spoke to him at the Mount Sinai, and there Moses received life-giving words to pass on to us. So he's acknowledging the law that God gave to Moses to pass to his people. He says, but... He said, our ancestors refused to listen to Moses and they rejected him. And they wanted to return to Egypt. So he, he's reminding them that, yes, we have been blessed as, as God's people, that he gave us the law to be able to share. But he said, do you remember how they acted like they already rebelled against the law all those years ago? He reminds them that even after God gave the law to Moses, there was rebellion let me give you a suggestion today. When, when you go home, I said you have homework. I want you to take that chapter 7 and I want you to find a quiet place and, and I want you to read it out loud. Teachers know what I'm talking about. Sometimes when we read out loud, we begin uh, to learn how to inflect emotion into what we're reading. And sometimes with scripture, when you are trying to read or study, and I know there are, are so many times that it just feels so void and blank, and, and, and then I gotta read it because BJ won't let us not do this study on Wednesday night, and so we, nah, 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 nah. read it out loud. Because it helps you to put the emotion into it. Because as I was reading this over and over this week, you're gonna hear Stephen as he starts telling this because Here's an honest confession. I have read this so many times. I love the story of Stephen. But I have skipped over chapter 7 quite a bit because I think it's just history. History is not always my favorite. It can be boring, right? But as I really began to understand what Stephen was doing, and I began to read this out loud, you can hear as it starts to build up. At least, at least the way I read it. Maybe I should read to y'all. Should that be? <laughs> I should make an audio version for you because I'm just telling you that he starts out just okay. Do y'all remember Moses and Abraham and and he begins to build the intensity by the end 
of this speech that he's giving them to the point of verse 51. So he gives them all of this history. Verse 51, then he says, you stubborn people. He said, you're heathen at heart and deaf to the truth. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? That's what your ancestors did, and so do you. Oh, I love Stephen. He is so smart. Because everything he's given them up to this point, they can't argue with. It's history. It's in what we call the Old Testament. That was their Bible. They can't argue with what he's given them. And he said, guess what? You're no different. You're missing God right before you. You're rebelling against the Holy Spirit working. And he says, there's just no difference. It's rebellion all the way through. And then if you keep reading, you know, Peter was kind of nice. He always said, you know, you guys, mm, you killed Jesus. You didn't know what you were doing, though. That's how Peter always says it. Stephen doesn't. He says, you did it. You killed Jesus and you knew exactly what you were doing. You knew exactly what you were doing. So he gave them no out. He said, you murdered the Messiah. Man, I'm glad we aren't like them, right? We, we, we care more about people than the building, right? Like, we're not like them, right? Oops. We, we don't hold tight to rules and appear judgmental to people, do we? Hmm. You see, it kind of gets close to home for us sometimes. And here's the thing. Stephen wasn't trying to debate this to win an argument. You and I have been there where we want to win our argument with somebody. Why we're right, they're wrong. He wasn't trying to point out, I'm better than you and I know more than you do. He was pointing out and delivering a very hard truth. And it was a hard truth that he knew might lead to a bad outcome for him. Because church, let me tell you, sometimes when we do deliver hard truth to people, you're going to lose relationships. You're going to lose friends and family that says, I don't believe the way you believe. But he did it because he was trying to save them, remember. He wanted them to understand. Because remember, some of the Jewish priests, they are converting. They're understanding, wow, everything we have studied and everything we've been waiting on has happened. It's happened. And we're ready to see what that looks like. And if you know Stephen's story, then you know that he gets stoned. And so they come before him and, and he said, you know, you, you deliberately disobeyed God's law. And the Jewish leaders, they, they get so upset with him. Verse 56 says, he told them, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. And then they put their hands over their ears and began shouting and they rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. And his accusers took off their coats, laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. 
And with that, he died. So he delivers this hard truth that they can't argue with the history of what they've said. But verse 56 would give them what they need to claim blasphemy against him. And blasphemy, and and we know this, when they're covering their ears, they don't want to hear what he has said, that he sees Jesus at the right hand of God. And so that's blasphemy. Now, here's the problem with this stoning, because you're going to say, well, if you look up, you know, they had the legal right. We know that there are laws that call for stoning. Kids, obey your parents. Just a warning. But here's what you need to understand more specifically about how that would have had to happen. Because we know that there were certain laws that give the sentence of death, and usually by stoning. But you have to also know it was not the practice of the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin would have been the big council. It was not their practice to actually sentence people to death. Like it was not a common practice kind of thing. In fact, there is a a saying that it says a religious court, and they were talking about a Sanhedrin, a religious court that executed someone once in every 70 years was considered a destructive Sanhedrin. Once in every 70 years. Why? Because there was also things that was built into the system for redemption. All right? So let's look at the two witnesses that they had, okay? So so technically they had witnesses. We know they told lies, but technically they had their witnesses. But also those witnesses would have been responsible to give Stephen a warning. Hey, guy, the things we're hearing you talk about, the actions that you're doing, like this could be considered blasphemy and you need to rethink what you're doing. It would be like us giving somebody a warning. It would be like Justin pulling you over for going 70 and a 55, and he says, I'm going to give you a warning. Let's not do that again, right? So there would have been that first little stop. And then there's the whole voting of the Sanhedrin. So for them to be able to give him death as his punishment, it had to be a unanimous vote, right? But here's another little catch that was in there. There was this little catch that said, if the conviction in a capital case was unanimous, but was rendered too quickly, the accused was acquitted on the assumption that the judges had not adequately considered the possibility of the defendant's innocence. I don't know about you, But that happened pretty quickly, didn't it? In fact, I don't even know if they took a vote. They got so riled up. So by these standards that I just gave you, when we're looking at the death of Stephen, this is what today in modern day we would call a lynching mob that took over. They were so filled with hate and just emotion that they took Everything in their own hands. And they declared him to be stoned. Now, you also have to know that, bless their hearts, those that 
that were the witnesses, they would have been the ones that shoved Stephen off the, the cliff. So they would shove you off a cliff, and then if, if that didn't take care of the job, then they would dump boulders on top of you. Okay? And so the people that, that have now lied are going to be responsible for him. So this is what we would think of today as a lynching mob. So this church is a snapshot of the very first Christian martyr for the faith. Someone that because of his belief in Jesus Christ, he paid the ultimate price with his life. Now notice Stephen's last words, though. This is so important because you and I can be filled with so much indignant unforgiveness when people hurt us, right? And as he's taking his last breath, Lord, don't charge them with this. Don't charge them with this sin. Who does that sound like to you? Jesus. Lord, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't understand. Church, that's supposed to be our hearts. We're all so so ready for revenge and vengeance on people so often that we forget the words of Jesus, Lord, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. You know, like the death of Jesus, it, it would seem like that would be the end, right? They took care of the problem. But always, when you read chapter 7, you always have to read the first three verses of chapter 8. They go together. Remember that in the original manuscripts, these things would not have been broken up like we have them broken up. So you have to read 8 verse 1. Saul was one of these witnesses. And he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem, and all the believers, except for the apostles, were scattered throughout the region of Judea and Samaria. Some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning, but Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. I am encouraged today because even when humans seemingly get it wrong, and that Sanhedrin got it wrong that day, even when we as humans get it wrong, God's spirit and his purpose will still prevail. Amen? Amen. And this coming weekend, this is an opportunity for revival, not just in our church. You know, I've, I've invited our, our community churches to share um, an invitation for Saturday night to come and join us. And um, some of them have said they will, they will be attending with us. And, and this is a, an opportunity of revival, not just in our church, but in our community and communities around ours. Will it look different than revivals of old? Yes. Yes, it will. But does that mean God is not in it? No. No, it does not. In fact, I know that God has already used Chris and staff's testimony to help someone already. God is going to move. God is going to move. So church, will, will you pledge and join me this week? to intently pray for Saturday night. 
and Sunday morning services. Intently pray for God's Spirit to move in someone's life. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, it's not just about praying for healing or God help me with my finances. It's about, God, I want to see change in people's lives. I want to see somebody so filled with your Holy Spirit that it changes everything about them. It changes their marriage. It changes how they parent. God, I want to see you move. And I want to see change happen in someone's life. And you see that day, even though that the enemy thought he won again, because, hey, we've killed this Stephen guy and he was such a great speaker and now he won't say another word. What began to happen? The seeds went out. As persecution came against the church and they began to scatter, guess what went with them? The good news of Jesus Christ. So Saturday night, pray with me. Those that are, are volunteering to help, come with a, a spirit of sacrifice on Saturday night. I want you to come with that spirit of sacrifice that God, I know I may not get to completely enjoy all of this concert, but God, if it helps one person to get to know who you are, then so be it, Lord. Because especially when we're good, church, if you're good with God, if, if you really, you, you're like, I'm good. I'm in a good place, and I need you servant. Because we're going to have people that come in that are broken. And guess what? Broken people don't look broken, just so you know. They have smiles on their face. They look really good. They're dressed nice. They may even have some good kids. But they're broken, and they need Jesus. And even if we see some things that make us a little uncomfortable... Maybe some kids are running up and down our hallways. Maybe somebody brings a, a drink into the sanctuary or you see somebody snacking on something or a kid spills something. Don't sweat it. Facilities can be cleaned. Facilities can be repaired. I know, I plugged a lot of holes in that foyer this last week. <laughs> Facilities can be repaired. But we may only get one chance to help heal the broken with the name of Jesus. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Be a part of it. Stand with me this morning, church family. I know several of you have already brought stones down to, to add to our jar and and yeah, I agree with you, Kathy. I like our, I like our jar. I like our jar. I like seeing you come week after week. Because I know that you truly believe, God, you've done this for me. Can you do it again? And it's okay to, to look at our history, know where we've come from, and say, God, I, I want to see you move again. So when I look at our history, I remember some of those good old days. And I want to pray, God, do it again. It may look different. It may look different. But God, I want to see your spirit move in this place. I want to see hearts changed. I want to see new lives in Christ. I want to, I want to keep filling up that baptistry so Sandy says, hey, the water bill is out of control. 
And now's a good time to hide that under with the water gains coming. Like, we can hide a lot of water stuff, I'm just saying. Or maybe we go to the river, don't we, Camry? We got, in a couple of weeks, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to baptize Camry out at the river. It finally got warm enough. <laughs> That's what she's been waiting on. Church, pray with me this week for a move of the Holy Spirit in this place. Pray over Chris and Steph. Man, this past weekend they've been in Houston. They had a time getting their airlines lost, their equipment, their merchandise, all this stuff. So one of their shows, they totally didn't even have everything. They finally got all that back. Just pray over them. They'll be driving, so pray for safety as they come. They'll have their two kiddos with them. Um, help me love on their kids so that um, they don't have to worry about them while they are ministering to us. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today. And I come fully expecting today, Lord. I come fully expecting that the acts of the Holy Spirit that I continue to read about, you are still doing today. And Father, I know that when we speak the name of Jesus, I know opposition comes at us. May we be bold enough to stand and still speak truth and still speak the name of Jesus. Father, I pray over the things that are happening in the coming weeks here at this church. God, we pray for Chris and and Steph, and we just pray for traveling mercies. Lord, would you just surround their vehicle and, and all that it takes for them to get here on Saturday for us. And Father, may we be a blessing to them just as they will be a blessing to us. God, will you prepare the hearts of those that are going to come on Saturday? God, those that they, they've already said they're coming, but Lord, there's already distractions trying to pull them away. You know who you want to speak to through this. You know the message that you have. And we just ask that the Holy Spirit will move. Father, I pray for the upcoming events for our children and our teens. And and God, it's going to be a lot of fun because the last couple of years, it feels like we just haven't had that a lot. But God, may we also deliver the message of Jesus Christ in the appropriate ways for each age division. And God, I, I never underestimate what we can do in our young people. Because you say, let the little children come. So, God, I'm going to just be in faith knowing that your spirit can move in their hearts as well. I pray over Kathy and Shelly. They're putting this lesson together. And, God, I just pray clarity and focus. And I just pray for your spirit, Lord, to lead them. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, the things that will come at us in the next couple of weeks to bind us and and hinder us, may those things be bound in the name of Jesus so that the Holy Spirit can have his will and his way. Father, I know each of these stones dropped this morning. There are so many things from loved ones who are ill, from friends and families that were praying for their salvation addictions that need to be broken. Father, your spirit does all these things. Your spirit can bring healing. Your spirit brings salvation. Your spirit will bring uh, addictions to be broken in the name of Jesus. And may those people hear your spirit calling as we call, as we sang this morning, you are a God that chases after us. May their eyes and hearts be open to see that this morning. 
Father, I pray for your people. This is the best group of people I could ask for because they have a heart of love for their community and their families. So I pray for them as they leave this place that just as Stephen's face was as shining bright as an angel's, may our faces as well shine to where people know we've been in your presence today. In Jesus' precious name. And all of the church said, amen. All right, make sure to say hello to the birthday boy and go in there with him and grab a cupcake on your way out. I love you guys. Have a blessed day and be a blessing. Hey, I hope you received exactly what you needed from that message. If you want to connect with us, you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, or you can always find us in person if you're in the area. If you'd like to support our ministries, you can find us on Tithely. Thank you to those who support our church. I hope you will subscribe and join us on the next one. And remember, you are loved.